Welcome to the podcast, Super Friends. Five podcast producers from across North America get together to discuss podcasting. Hi, everybody. I am Matt Kundal. I am the owner of the Sound Off Media Company. I'm also the host of the Sound Off Podcast. And today, I'll be leading the charge with the podcast super friends who join me from parts unknown, but we'll make them known as we go around the table and introduce ourselves. Catherine. Oh, thank you, Matt. My name is Catherine O'Brien. I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's warm. It's very warm today here in Baton Rouge, but I produce podcasts for businesses here in the beautiful Red Stick and my company's called Branch Out Programs. Johnny. Hey, I'm Johnny Podcast coming live from Fort Worth, Texas. I produce podcasts on the back end, video, audio, engineering. That's what we do. And we're here to help you podcast better. David. Yeah, this is Dave up in Boston. Having a wicked good time up here. It's uh, 100 degrees and very hot. And uh, I produce podcasts at the Boston Podcast Network, pod617.com. And back from a, a trip to Iceland, Jag. <laughs> Yes, uh, I escaped the heat by going to Iceland. My name is John Jaggay. I own Jag in Detroit podcast here in Detroit, where I produce podcasts for businesses, nonprofits, edit, uh, co-host, produce, whatever it is you need. I consider myself a Jag of all trades. All right. So thanks a lot for joining us all in the middle of summer. I hope everyone's summer is going well. Uh, we do this monthly. We get together. We are the podcast super friends. And uh, I'll start today I guess I woke up this morning and then I saw it on the calendar and it turns out I'm the only one who had this on the calendar. And I said, I can't wait to do this show today. And <laughs> yes, the first thing that came to my mind was, was guesting because there was an article that came out last week talking about podcast guesting. And there are people paying a lot of money to be on podcasts. So I want to start with uh, Catherine O'Brien, who uh, is well aware of the Bloomberg article uh, that came out last week. And, I think a lot of people were surprised, but not surprised by the whole thing. Catherine, what do you know about podcasts? Pay, but what, what do you know about guests paying to be on podcasts? Well, thanks to this article, which really I think was eye-opening. And I like how you set it up, Matt, because it, I think it's one of those we knew, but we didn't know. The framing of the article was to say this is reminiscent of payola from radio days. And I'm not sure exactly if that's true. The, really, the sort of the punchline of the article was that there are some people who are paying a tremendous amount of money to be guests on podcasts. Now, instantly, when I read this article, the thing that really stood out to me is like, hey, I know that podcasting, I want, I want people to be compensated for their podcasts. People work very hard to put these shows together, whether it's advertising your own products, if it's taking on advertising money, if it is sponsorships. I think all of that is great, but I do think that there is a problem with if you're having a guest on your show and the reason that they're on your show is because they've paid to be there, that's just a little bit different than a sponsorship that is clearly sponsored by, you know, for a product or service. Uh, there was just a little bit of murkiness. And I, I think, too, my read on it is that a lot of podcasters were kind of blown away that somebody could <clears throat> reportedly pay $50,000 to one of the sort of top level podcasts to be a guest on the show. So it, I think it's just a little bit of our industry still being relatively new and some of these kinks being worked out a little bit. But to make that dis determination between advertorial guests 
sponsorships and advertising, I think is something we all kind of need to do. I, I put out a tweet that said, this article brought around a sense in me of contempt and like a loss of naivete <laughs> at the same time. And I'm, I'm thinking that that's really sort of what brought everybody's, that was sort of a, a common saying from people who, who read the article. Um, and it just kind of put some just different things into perspective. So the first thing that happens whenever something like this comes up is we we call a lawyer. So we'll get David Yap <laughs> to, to, to weigh in on this. And you're in, you're in Boston. And so what are the legal impl implications behind this sort of thing, if any? Well, uh, I'm not sure there are any anything. There's anything going wrong from a legal perspective. In other words, I don't think you're breaking any laws if you have someone on your podcast as a paid guest and don't inform the public simply because podcasting is nowhere near as regulated as as other media because we're still I don't know if we're still in the wild, wild west, but maybe we're in the wild west is still pretty wild. And so there's, there's still a lot of making stuff up in. I come from the newspaper industry and it would be simply a cardinal sin for you to appear in a front page article like, you know, you know, Acme company booming, thanks to David Yaz. And it, turn, <laughs> and, it turn, and it turns out I've paid for that front page story that would completely destroy the integrity of that newspaper. So mm -hmm. I, I'm with Catherine when I when she says, if you want some integrity, either make it clear that this person is paying to be on there or um, or, you know, don't don't do it. Don't don't pay your guests from a legal standpoint. I'm not so sure there, there's any you're not necessarily committing any kind of overt fraud. It, it just feels uncomfortable and, and unethical in the podcasting world. I see Jag with his hand up because I know he's got the experience in radio where he, he probably had to give up probably his air shift for some infomercial time at some point in his career. <laughs> but but you, I'm, I'm in Canada. The rest of you are in the U.S. And, and you've got the Federal Trade Commission who might have a say about some of this, though, yeah. right? That's actually where I was going to go next with this, Matt, is we make the comparison. Dave made the newspaper comparison. I'll make the radio comparison. Radio and television here in the States, of course, regulated by the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. They own the airwaves, anything that goes out over the air. And the FCC can more tightly regulate the content uh, over television and radio. Not so with podcasting, as Catherine said, it's still kind of in its infancy and still new, the Wild West, as David said. So what's interesting here is... Where does the FCC end and where does the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, come in to regulate these things? For me, we before we even get into the legality of it, I want to speak to the moral responsibility that a, you as a podcaster have to your listeners. And that is to be honest with them and keep your credibility with them. Mm. If you have somebody on your show that has paid to be on your show, that in and of itself is not awful. But you owe it to your listeners for the sake of your credibility to say, hey, just so you know, this guest has been compensated to be on the show uh, or this guest has compensated me rather to be on the show. As long as you're transparent about it, it's not the most evil thing in the world. But you owe that to your listeners. I, for example, have a podcast client who has a number of episodes that are sponsored. They may be sponsored by an organization that has a guest on the show. And she does a very good job at maintaining her credibility with the science of her show. She's a dietitian, But she does disclose if she has been compensated by to have that guest on her show. And her listeners respect her for that. So I'll, I'll, I'll just ask Johnny here um, about trust in podcasting. Does this hurt trust in podcasting? 
It depends on how you approach it, I think, because I put myself in the, because I didn't work in radio, I didn't work in newspaper. Um, I put myself in the position of if I was hosting a podcast and referencing the article that we're talking about that, that Catherine has deep dived for us, uh, <laughs> if someone offered me 50 grand to be on my podcast, I'd probably take it. I think we all would. And would you disclose it though? That's the, see, that's the that's the issue right there. Now I put myself in the listener category. If I if my favorite podcast put up on the episode title or called it out in the beginning, like, hey, this guy's paid to be here, in my mind, I'd be curious to see what yours thought, what all of your thoughts are. I would probably not want to listen to that episode. I would probably be turned off from wanting to listen to that, being like, this guy paid to be here. How credible can he really be? If but if the host that I care about. I love listening to them and t- them talking to people that they're interested in, which is what we all do as podcasters that host interview shows. If they, that person didn't come to my mind as someone I wanted to talk to, I'm only talking, I'm only having them on because they paid to be there. That's, I feel like the host would phone it in me as a listener. I wouldn't be as invested in the episode. So maybe that's why the host wouldn't disclose it is because like, if I put that this person is paying to be on here People may be turned off by that and not. I wanted, the Johnny. Can I interrupt you for one second? I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. It was really interesting the way that you phrased that when you said they're they're only on here because they're paying to be here. They may not be only on there because they're Absolutely. paying to be there. They may be somebody that the host is willing to have on as a guest to begin with, or they might say, "I'm only going to allow you to pay to be on my show." if you're a guest that I would have on my show anyway, mm. like if, if I lean politically one way and someone off from the other side offers me $50,000 to be on the show, sorry, no, your views don't align with what I'm doing on the show. These two items may not be mutually exclusive as far as wanting you on the show and paying to be on the show. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think there's, there's a lot of nuance to this. So we, we should go through all kind of types of examples and where this is. That's, that's just where my mind went. If it said sponsored episode, brought to you by bill smith bill smith is paid to be here and i run a real estate podcast and bill is in some other industry that i don't care about that doesn't make any sense to me but yes you're you're absolutely correct i want to take it one step further to what jag said maybe the person would be on the podcast oh by the way the guest left behind fifty thousand dollars to market the episode Hmm. right which sort of Uh you see that harkens back to to the radio days of a record company saying We'd love for you to play the song. Sure would love to leave a buy for your sales department for $100,000, you know, for Limp Biscuit or whatever it was. I'm not trying to implicate that, that it was Limp Biscuit. No, don't say Limp Biscuit. I just watched the Woodstock documentary last night. <laughs> ah, it's all their fault. That's on my list, too. Thanks for, for reminding me. But to Catherine, and yes. just uh, talk a little bit about, about the trust and podcast issue when it comes to this and the, the steps that are going to move ahead with this. So let's say the FTC does sort of clamp down and say, you've got to disclose it. But then you have my scenario, which is here's $50,000 of marketing money to market the show that, that I'm a guest on with you. Well, okay. So I, I do think sort of to Johnny's point too, I do think that trust in podcasting is really important. And my question is why would we wait to be told what to do instead of just doing what is like, a best practice right off the bat. It is, it's, I think it's a best practice to disclose those things. And actually, 
Matt, I have a great example of what I thought would be kind of a comparable example to this whole situation of something that I thought was worked really well. So um, this is a very specific example. I don't have a relationship with any of the people I'm about to talk about, uh, except that I'm a fan. Let's just say that. Um, so there's a company called CrowdHealth that does a cost sharing pr- plan for healthcare in the United States. Okay, so CrowdHealth, they have a they have a sort of a what they're offering. They targeted podcasts that they're going going on to talk to talk about their product and service. They started advertising. As a listener, I noticed that they were advertising on certain podcasts that I was listening to. After the success of these ads on the show, then the host interviewed the founder of the company, CrowdHealth, and then attached that as sort of like, if you forgive the jargon, like a mini-sode. So this little mini-episode that was on the start of a regular podcast episode, and it was abundantly clear that the ads had been successful. This guy who founded the company, he has a particular point of view, and then the podcast host interviewed him about that. To me, that was like a, that's a total win across the board because it was obvious that this was the reason that he was being talked to by the podcast host. It all linked up really well. And there was no sort of like ethical gray area. It was like all very clear. And I thought, okay, well, that to me is like a great example. And I, I think that there's like, there's, to me, there's like a little bit of an X factor here is that like, if I trust a host, I think that the reason they're bringing on a guest is because there's something the guest wants to, they want their audience to hear from that guest. And if it's, if it's financial first, that is, I can see why somebody would be sort of bent out of shape about that. And I think that there are ways to do it in a way that's constructive and is going to be like, ethically sound for all around david yeah you know i i think we're getting into uh, all these gray areas and some of them may not be so bad in other words let's say for example you're a podcaster and you're a marketing company or you're a pr person or something and you want to invite your guests onto your show uh you you want to provide a, a a vehicle for your clients to be on a podcast. And what you say to them is, you know, we're going to do your PR campaign. We're going to write a blog for you and you're going to be on our podcast, you know, three times a year or whatever it is. So that in effect is, and the client is paying this PR person. And so what you're saying is I'm giving you something of great value. I'm producing in the same way that we produce blogs and articles and place articles for you. We're going to create this show and showcase you on the show. I still think that should be disclosed, but that's one example where there's nothing really dirty about it. You know, it's like, here's, here's the, the PR hour from, you know, uh, uh, Finnegan communications or whatever the guests on the get, I don't know. <laughs> the guests, the guests, guests on the Finnegan podcast are paid clients of the firm. Quick disclaimer, get it over with. And then, I mean, let's face it. Most podcasts are showcases for the guests. It's not as if most podcasts are these hard-hitting interviews where the integrity of the host is paramount. I still agree that it should be disclosed and all that, but just another way to look at it, maybe. Yeah, also, this is not new. I mean, one of the first persons I met was Interview Connections in 2016 Mm. at Podcast Movement. Aren't they kind of doing the same thing? They're taking money and putting people on podcasts and... It's not the same thing, but the ho- the host isn't being compensated directly, right? 
in that sense in in the sense in the yeah. situation we're talking about it's a direct handoff to the host who has access to the audience rather than signing up for paying a third party service of get me on this podcast okay right. but maybe they're maybe they are paying i'm i'm not familiar with with sort of that third party Access, no, actually, I think it, I think the podcasters were paying interview connections as well for okay. access to, to right. these people. Yeah. At least that was the model, the way it was explained to me then. Um, and, and as we know, you know, since 2016, there's at least, you know, 15 of those now. Yeah. Maybe more, maybe 17. Anyhow, um, have we I guess we've sort of gone around the table enough on the subject or do you want to move on to other parts of this or does anybody have anything else to say? Um I just thought it was funny that once we started bringing up FTC, FCC, and legalities, that everyone started prefacing stuff with like, now I don't know this organization. I'm not affiliated with these people, but <laughs> everyone's given their own personal disclaimers. Yeah. And it's funny because, I mean, how, how big the United States is. The law, I, I, most of the time I get into discussions, whether they're legal ones, and it all pertains to the United States, I go, well, I'm in another country. So I don't know how any of this should pertain to me. And of course, there's, you know, what if the guest is in another country and, Anyways, all that said, I think ultimately what it comes down to is, is as the host, if someone is paying you to be on your podcast, you have to have some level of like what Jai was talking about, a level of morality, a level of integrity of does this balance well of yes, I'm being compensated for this. Also, this guest would be really beneficial for my audience. It's a win-win situation. If it's a win for the audience, then I think it's okay to do. I think the legality stuff is like what Catherine said. It's one of those things where eventually they'll start creating rules and laws around it. But as of right now, we're sort of in the Wild West. So if there doesn't seem to be any issues with it right now, but uh, we will Johnny, just have to see. Johnny, during my time in radio, the FTC started to tamp down a little bit on uh, endorsement copy for radio DJs. And the rules started to get a little bit tighter on that. I want to go back to something you said a moment ago, though. And it's really about respect for your audience. We talk mm -hmm. a lot of times to our podcast clients, all five of us edit podcasts. And we talk about the debate about taking out the ums and the ahs versus making the conversation just naturally how it came out and how it flowed in real time. And what I always tell clients, and I know all of you do too, Taking out the ums and ahs is respect for the audience time. So on average, I pull out probably about 10% of, of, of an episode when it comes to false starts and ums, ahs, likes. You know, the 30-minute 30, 30 episode ends up being 27. A 60-minute episode ends up being 54 by the time I'm done with it. And really, you're giving that time back to your audience. An audience mm -hmm. really cares enough about your show to download and listen to your podcast as part of their day to spend 15, 30, 60 minutes with you. You want to be respectful of their time. And I think at the same time, you want to be respectful of them in terms of disclosing what you need to disclose and not, for lack of a better word, hoodwinking them. I agree. So I want to talk a little bit about bringing guests onto the show. And this, let's use our expertise here to really, because I, I get this a, a question a lot. How do I get guests to come onto my program? And so we'll start with Johnny. Johnny, do you have any tips for getting and landing good guests onto a podcast? Yeah, and it's the same... Uh... I, I would say it's the same sort of process that you follow when you want to just grow your audience in general. The way that I always recommend it is being big somewhere else. So mm. picking one, so, and you guys know I'm a, I'm a, a Twitter slut. Um, <laughs> uh, 
I think that having a really active social media presence and in, in, in the niche that your podcast pertains to is a way to build yourself credibility. And if you can build a following online, people want access to that reach. And it's a great way to meet people within the niche that you are playing in when it comes to your podcast. And that's a great way to meet other people online. We have access to one of the greatest inventions in human history, the internet and social networking and the ability to meet people hundreds of thousands of miles away that are much better at what you do in your industry or doing just as well and would benefit from reaching your audience. So I, I would recommend uh, searching the, uh, using the internet, using social media, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, being great at one of those platforms and networking and finding the right people who are unique, match with your audience and just building a relationship with them. Hey, do you want to come on my podcast? Catherine, do you ever run into any um, instances where, where the guest has no experience in podcast, doesn't know what it is and, doesn't know what they're in for and how do you alleviate those fears? <sighs> those fears. Well, as we, as we shared in the last uh, super friends, I have been uh, the hand holder through an emergency ditch out of Zencaster on back onto zoom. Oh, the dreaded zoom because it was just too technologically difficult. Um, but I always try and just frame it as, casually as possible. I think that just telling people, you know, this is to have a conversation and we're going to try and make you sound, you know, we want this to be positive. And you know, I'm not doing any sort of hard hitting reporting with any of the podcasts that I work on. Um, so really just framing it in a way and say, you know, I, I often side, side discussion point here, guys. Like I always wonder sometimes, is it good to tell people we're going to edit this because, uh, you know, or is it better to keep people on their toes? Like, Hey, you know, like let's, Let's do and do our best job the first time uh, to create less editing for me. Uh, but again, uh, maybe a discussion for another time. I, I, I quickly on that, Catherine, I find myself yep. always telling my clients that everything is edited. I tell them, hey, we're going to see each other, but only the audio is recorded. That puts right. them at ease visually if we're not doing video. And I right. tell them everything's edited. Nothing you don't want in the final product will be there. I find that puts uh, guests at ease very frequently. And even if it means a little bit more editing work for myself on the back end. I only give like two instructions before an, an interview. And one of them is if you don't like the way it came out, just restart your sentence mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it's a lot harder to clean up when they're flubbing their way through. And then you're trying to really paste the words uh, together. Yeah. I think that's pretty, what Jag said is, is a really good rule of thumb to follow. I, I do a lot of in-person recording podcasts and I can't tell you how many times, like I, my favorite thing to do is to watch a guest's hands when they're talking before and after I tell them that it's edited. Not even that. They're talking and I literally, their hands are sometimes shaking because they think for whatever, even if it's a small podcast, they think that thousands of people are watching in the moment and they have right. to get it right the first time. And you, you always caveat it with, take your time. None of this is live. People aren't going to see this for a few weeks. Just be, be calm. You're, you're on here for a reason. You're smart. You're knowledgeable. We wouldn't just bring you on if you didn't know what you were talking Gosh, about. Gosh darn it, you're good enough. Yeah. Well, and uh, back to Matt, I, one thing I have definitely dropped and I do not do anymore is I do not share questions in advance. And that is after all the years that I've been doing this for clients and for my own things is that that I, people can't, I, I have found, I have found that people can't take that as like, these are a, approximately what I'm going to be asking you, or these are some of the things I will be asking to you. Too many people took it very literally and they would script answers to yes. those specific questions and that led to very stilted and wooden responses. So now I just try to give people topics that we would like to talk about or things in 
occasionally there will be a specific question, um, but I really stay away from doing the giving questions in advance because I just it tanks the interview in the this other, humble podcast. The other side of that is uh, yes, they will script out answers, but they will also there you can bring on a guest who you know thinks they're too like they think they're so incredible and so amazing, and that the world the, this podcast was built to have them on it that they now have full access to be like. Uh, we're actually going to change all of these questions. Here's what you'd we'd rather. Here's what my client would rather you ask us. And in, in, in that case, you just go. Well, I guess you're not coming on the podcast. That's how you, like. <laughs> David, I know has experience with with Zoom, and I know a lot of people use Zoom for to record their podcast. So, David, what's the best way to prep a guest with Zoom? Yeah, some of it's already been said. I one one tip I'll offer is that it's great to have a one pager on this. I whether you can put it on your website and then just I just have a link. I say I tell my guests go to pod617.com slash guidelines. You'll find our guest guidelines. And that way that answers a lot of questions about and you put whatever you want on there, you know. <clears throat> you definitely want to prep them a little bit on being a quiet place. If you have a microphone, please plug it in. You might want to put something like Jag mentioned, like it's, 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 you'll see us on video, but we're only going to use the audio. Um, everything is editable and, and things like that. But so you, you do want to prep your guests to, to some degree, but it's tough. The, the, the questions ahead of time thing is tough because if you work it, I mean, it's, it, I agree with you, Catherine, in a perfect world, don't give them questions that like most of the time I don't even have questions. I just, I'm just, I just have a, <laughs> I just have a curiosity about the guests. So I just tell them I'm very blase. I'm like, we're going to talk about what you do. You know, why do you think I'm having you on the podcast? You just, you just opened this pizza place that everyone's raving about. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about pizza, you know? So, but if they insist, but then I sympathize with the podcaster who's been trying to land that guest for a long time and gets the guest to agree on the show. And then they say, just please, the only thing is we ask is please send the questions ahead of time. So I, I can see why you would do it. It's sometimes it might help to say, we don't really have questions, but we definitely have bullet points and we'll put them down. And if there's anything you don't want to discuss, just let me know. And I have had plenty of places times when a guest has said um you know i I actually had a guest and i asked him he was uh an icon of boston a restaurateur and i asked him about a particular politician i won't say it because he didn't want it in but as soon as i mentioned the guy's name he was like i'm not gonna talk about that bastard right and so and then there was just a pregnant pause and i said okay we won't use that you know that's an edit anyway um I, I've actually pulled up the one sheet that uh, I use for one of the podcasts that I work on. If you guys don't mind me, I can just hit some of the highlights. So this goes out to every single guest for a remote recording. Um, so it starts off with the the calendar attachment. And then this document gets attached, which is there's a quick paragraph that's about the podcast, describes the show, who the host is. Below that, it says post-production. The podcast will be professionally edited after recording. So please don't worry if you stumble or make a mistake. Just correct yourself and move on. You're welcome to pause before answering. These can be edited out later. There's a podcast technical instructions. We use Riverside, so it's just basic one-two step how to use Riverside. And then there's a section called important reminders. Headphones. Headphones are necessary when recording to ensure that each voice is isolated and the final recording doesn't cause an echo. A separate microphone is preferred, but earbud mic combos work as well. A quiet space. Please find a relatively quiet, non-echoey room where you won't be disturbed. Close your door, turn off fans, and please also turn off notifications to your computer or turn off the sound to your computer. And then it talks about how you get on Riverside, 
and then there's the podcast distribution afterwards. So just putting together a one sheet like that is very easy to do. You can make it specific to whatever platform you're using, whether it's Zoom, Squadcast, Zencaster, or Riverside. But giving all of the guests that information takes away a lot of sort of the back and forth that would normally cut into your recording time of, oh, actually, you're, you need to, do you have headphones? They're in the other room. Can you go grab them? Your dog's barking. Do you mind putting yeah. them in? The, things like that. So just having that. And it's not like you have to do it for every single guest. You just do it once, attach it into every single guest calendar invite. And it's, it's a very easy way to make the process go a lot smoother. So, Jag, can you rate Johnny's one sheet out of 10? <laughs> 10 because I, but what I love that he said in this is very really useful for podcasters and podcast hosts that are watching right now or listening to this later. Headphones are so important, particularly if you use a platform like Riverside or Squadcast or Zencaster. What I think people don't know until it's explained to them, and I've had this happen with clients, is there's a phenomenon known as ducking. And it's the only time my phone has actually said duck when I've meant duck, but it's not <laughs> autocorrected. But if you are not wearing headphones, the software will need to use what's known as echo cancellation. It will cancel out the uh, the sound coming out of the speaker on your computer so your microphone doesn't pick it up. When that happens, there is obviously going to be a moment in the conversation when two people speak at once or they something funny happens and two people are laughing. And if you don't have headphones and as a result that echo cancellation is on – the software will duck down the level of the audio of one of the participants in the conversation and distort it. And that's really not usable in the final product. If you want a clean cut version that makes it sound like everybody in the podcast is in the same room, regardless of where they're recording from, everybody needs to wear headphones. They don't have to be fancy studio headphones like four out of five of us are wearing right now. Sorry, Dave. They can be any headphones that are going to work with your computer uh, that you would use with your computer just so you're not getting that audio coming out of the speaker and having to cancel it out so it doesn't get picked up by your microphone. That is such an important point. I'm glad Johnny brought it up. Does anybody have any feedback on AirPods? Oh. Not great for mic, good for speaker. Good for li- good for listening, not yeah, great I'll, for talking. I'll, I'll, I'll add on to that. Yeah, better, better for listening, not as great for audio. Uh, they can be used in a pinch for both. If you're using them as headphones for listening, it is one more fail point to have a Bluetooth connection as opposed to a hardwired connection. So a hardwired connection is always preferred. Sometimes your guest or you may only have the AirPods and you're stuck with them and so be it. Or they're not charged. Also true. I have found in my experience that AirPods specifically play better with Mac computers than they do with Windows computers because of the whole Apple ecosystem with Catherine's favorite topic. We won't get her started on that. Um, but also a lot of the, a lot of these apps now do have uh, so a lot of these podcast recording platforms have mobile apps. And if you are recording on your iPhone on the through Chrome or through Safari or through the app, the AirPods will work uh, in a pinch if they have if that's what you have. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. 
I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Hello, I'm Wendy Mesley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are, a few years after we left our previous jobs. We've been busy. We have a podcast. I know, you're thinking, who doesn't? But ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women, though. Just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors. Activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden, Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn. Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mockery. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us. Women of Ill Repute. The Podcast Super Friends. So I have to tell a story about, I got to the end of a podcast that I was recording and there was a dog that had barked for most of the podcast. Oh, and so I, I said, could you please send me a picture of your dog? <laughs> and, and she said, why? And I said, because the dog is going to get a, a, a an account on Podchaser for a, an appearance <laughs> credit in this <laughs> entire podcast. All marketing back to the dog. <laughs> yeah. And I know you were touching the, uh, you were touching the, the, the desk earlier and rattling the desk. And that was something I, on my latest podcast, which isn't out yet. Somebody said, uh, the person who edits my podcast, Taylor, she wrote back and she said, banging table here, here, and here, and and passing trucks here, here, and here. It's timestamps. Like, yeah. It's, I don't, I, and you can't necessarily take it out when the guest is talking. So those will just have to exist inside the show, right? Can yeah, I, or a siren. Can I, I was just going to say, talking about FTC re- requirements, that should be the only one we embrace is that if there's a siren sound, because let's think of the, all the podcast listeners who are driving their car and then thinking that they're you know suddenly looking around because there's a siren sound. I mean, come on, take that out. Have them redo it. It's like Sirens. Nelly in his old songs when they had the siren at the beginning. Yeah. If you hear it in the car, you start you know, looking around. Can I make one more note on this, Matt? Uh, the last thing is... Um, Occasionally, there's someone with the wired headphones. Those those still exist. The ones with the attached microphones. One piece of sort of like advice is that the mic here will scratch against your shirt as the person we're talking, or God forbid they have a beard and it's scratching <laughs> against their beard. That sound is nearly impossible to remove and post. Yes. So if you're going to be someone who's doing that, have them literally hold the mic like this away from their face. Or I've even seen it. Uh, there's a guy uh, I, I watch on podcasts who literally ties it around his neck like this, oh ties up all of the loose cords. So it's just hanging off of his face and doesn't do it. And people will make fun of him and be like, does he not understand how Apple headphones work? And 
I'm too. Well, he lazy. really understands. I was gonna say I was like I'm too lazy to to get into a YouTube argument with morons online, but <laughs> he actually is doing the smartest thing possible and keeping that microphone in one place at all times and it's not rubbing against the that's, shirt. So that's that's a really good that's a really good point johnny i've seen it brush against necklaces of someone wearing a necklace on their podcast and uh collared shirts if you're yep. wearing a collared shirt mm-hmm. it will brush against that color like johnny said beards there is it is virtually impossible to remove so just don't hold the microphone hold the cord right next to the microphone so it's in one place and not brushing against you or the lusciously locked people like myself here with the yes. long hair. Okay, I still, I still, my mic friends here, my very mic knowledgeable friends, I still don't know why some like Road hasn't made, or somebody, maybe they have, have made, haven't made like a headset style for people who are guesting frequently on podcasts. I think that that would be a great product that, you know, like the uh, mega church pastor or the like a fancy version of the old Navy staffer who's going to check yes. the back for your size of jeans like that would be such a great product i know plantronics they send uh, for econ talk they send out headsets for every guest so that's going to be on the show so that's a little uh, a relationship there and, and some of those headset mics uh they're built for more for telephone than for webcasting right have a cutoff where the high frequencies in the voice are not there and you have that headset artificial sound that doesn't sound like a real person's voice in person Exactly. So, but I think the, so I think there's an opportunity to make like a one of our top tier mic producers could make something like that for somebody who is going to be frequently guesting. I, I, think, first. I think that they do exist. I know they would like in the broadcast booth for a sporting event. Some of those high end things. They're very expensive. Uh, I mean, in the end, I mean, we talk about the ATR 2100 X being, mm-hmm. you know, 100 bucks. But the, these ones, you know, for sports are like seven, eight hundred dollars. And, you know, to Jag's point, I've never met a headset mic I didn't know sounded exactly like a headset mic. And, you know, I, this is my Bill Belichick moment. The minute I get a podcast to edit or I see or I see somebody like set up with the wired headphones that, that are scratching with the beard and every other nightmare that we've already talked about. And I mumble like Bill Belichick. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and this is coming Tom from a Bill Look at that. Yeah. Well, okay. But so even the, the broadcaster ones are so bulky, like that's what I'm saying. Cause now, you know, people are using video clips for their podcasts and such like that where I'm talking about low profile, you know, like I'm on, something... s- I'm on sweet. Well, yeah. But when you go low profile, Catherine, you sacrifice the quality of the microphone, the sw- the smaller, the microphone is the, the, the shittier, the quality is going to be. I'm dreaming right now, Johnny, don't crush my ge- dream. Well, I don't want to, well, <laughs> let, I'm, I'm, let me, rev- let me grab yes. the paddles yeah. and bring them back to life. Okay, uh, I'm on this is explicit. I'm on Sweetwater right now. Sorry, I'll stop cursing, Jack. Uh, there, I'm on Sweetwater right now, and there's the Audio Technica BPHS1 broadcast stereo headset with dynamic boom microphone. Looks great uh, for $219. So, if you're a frequent Ooh. guest on podcasts, something to consider. All right. Awesome. We are not sponsored by. <laughs> yeah. We're not sponsored by, P- by Zoom. We're not sponsored by pizza. They We're only paid us 30000 by... <laughs> So split between the five of us is not That's great. That's nothing. That's peanuts. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, I see there's a couple of things I see on the message boards that, you know, make my head spin a little bit. And I'll just, I'll start with David and just ask, is a guest obligated to share and promote the podcast after they've been on the podcast? Obligated? No, of course not. But. Um, it's in their best interest too, right? I mean, it's, it's, if you don't do it, you're kind of missing the podcast magic. And that's, that's what I tell people that, you know, the vast majority of podcast guests are there 
um, willingly and happy to get a little attention and probably want to promote something. And so it's, it is frustrating. I'll say as a podcast host, when, if your guests don't do that, but I think you guys can agree or disagree, but we kind of write it off to some people are just not savvy with that stuff, but it, the, the podcast wheel will spin with more vigor. If you have both host and guest sharing that episode, because then you're, you're just capitalizing on two different networks. And the great thing as a podcaster is if that guest has a wide network, then you're potential you're, you're reaching a whole bunch of people that you would never know. And who knows, maybe they come for the guest and they come back for the podcast because they liked what a good job you did as host. So I'd say it, it's a powerful, it's a powerful tool, but um, I wouldn't require it as a host, just like I, but uh, like that goes back to the purist. And I think we would probably agree it, but, but, you do want to make it easy for your guests to do. So we tend to send a follow-up email when the podcast posts, here's the links, make it as easy as possible for them. Cause some of them will be more savvy than others. Okay. So we, we do have a comment here from uh, Mr. Drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and it, you know, it says, if you come on my podcast and don't share, that means you don't respect my platform. And maybe you can feel that way. However, what I think is the minute you, you sort of oblige your guest to do something they're not really a guest anymore they're now your coworker, mm. right and your hype man and your shill you know i mean that's not their job really their job is to be an excellent guest it's yeah. just nice when they share it that's all right listen it's it is the dream you, right. you, you summarize the dream david you, you said they come on they come for the guest and then they stay for the podcast i i think that's really nice um if that happens but isn't there a bit of a myth, though, Jag, that, you know, by having like a great guest on your show, somebody famous, even a Joe Rogan, like that that's going to be some sort of magic bullet to success on your show? Absolutely. Yeah, it's not a panacea. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking as we were you know pre-planning today's show that I was going to come in hot with the idea that you should um, make your guest share the podcast as a prerequisite for coming on the show. And I think you actually just kind of talked me out of that, guys, <laughs> that it's that it's it's not necessary. Um, it's really nice if you can. And maybe you phrase it after the podcast and say, hey. You know, thanks for being on the podcast. We really enjoyed you as a guest. This is a great opportunity to promote yourself. And you got to make it as turnkey as possible for them. Here is the link. Here's the here's the share button for Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. Here is all you've got to do is copy and paste this on your social media and done. And you really got to see if you can explain to the guest why it is in their best interest. But to answer your question, Matt, I can't tell you how many times we've had a big name guest that has a massive social media following, and you're so excited because you. You've, you've got that magic syrup and they don't share it and you can't force them to, and you can't ask them to, um, aside from having a great relationship with them and making it a great experience for them, you can't guarantee they're going to share it. So I've had, I've had people with no social media following share podcasts and get some traction. And I've had people with tens of thousands of Twitter followers, just not share it. So it's really hard. So you, you said something that I really like there and that's, you, you want to make it easy for them. And so, you know, to, to Mr. Drunk here who commented um, that it's really nice when they do share it, the way to make it easy for them is to tag them in it because then it's yes. as simple as a retweet. Yeah. I think a lot of people think, oh, you should be writing like, like you know, evergreen posts and, and pre-written and tweets. Pre tweets and all that stuff in order to share it. But if we can make it as easy as possible for them to do it and just I just tag them. In fact, anybody who gets mentioned on the podcast, I just tag them. You got mentioned, you got mentioned, and you got mentioned. And then they're thinking, oh, shit, what did they say about me? 
You got to mention. You got to mention. You got to mention. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Catherine? Well, I have a great story of a super guest who was on a show that I produce. And she was like, she has set the bar so high for guests sharing the show afterwards that I, uh, everything will be compared to her. Her name is Kelly Corson, and she has a blog that is all about celiac disease. This is a very special disease that a lot of people who are, have celiac go gluten free. So she knows what she's, and she knows the media landscape. So she came on the Smidgen podcast. When she got off, she not only shared all of the posts that we made about the podcast appearance, she made her own original shares that she put out on her social media channels. Then she went the one step further, which is this is where her savvy about the media came in. And she contacted a bunch of companies that she referenced on the show. So she said, yeah, so she reached out to every company that we talked about, similar to what you were just talking about, Matt. She said, oh, I promoted I promoted you. I said, this is you're my favorite brownie mix for gluten free. You're my favorite this. I just wanted to let you know, here's a link to if you'd like to listen to the show, Shazam. And I was just absolutely blown away by her commitment to really put out that information. And frankly, it gave me a little bit of like a, I need to step up my producer game. Like this is an opportunity. Even if I'm shouting into the void 95% of the time, if I'm just telling people who get mentioned, you were, we meant you're, we, you got a shout out on the show just wanted you to know that's kind of like completing the circle. So I, it really did sort of call me to task like, okay, this is something I could be doing for my clients in the future. And it really is. It it was sort of like a righteous circle in the sense that we want to share that episode with people. We want to know that we're, that we're talking about you in a positive way. um, And that just kind of keep those things going and make, make the most of our opportunities is what it felt like. So good job, Kelly. That was the standard for me. And, And now the ideas are beginning to pour in here. Ah, yeah. <laughs> is this a relation? Yeah, that is my uh, my very dear uncle Jeff, who is watching. Hey, thank uncle you for Jeff. watching, Jeff. <laughs> uh, the suggestion being um, offering financial value like a gift card if the guest shares. <laughs> we started talking about us getting paid for, for now. Now we're paying yeah. people to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not the worst idea in the world. I mean, it, it's it's. I don't know about a gift that it's, you know, we've experimented with the idea of, of swag, you know, guests on the Boston podcast receive a pod 617 t-shirt, you know, I mean, whatever, something like that. It, it doesn't hurt. You file it under every little bit helps. And but, it depends on um, the budget for your podcast too. You may, right. you may, you may not have an Amazon budget. You may have a yeah. budget for t-shirts. You may have a budget for fidget spinners. Who knows? Yeah. You know, well, Matt, something you mentioned, I, I just, um, uh, wanted to go back to, I think what you were saying, Matt, is when you get that monster guest, don't expect your your subscribers, your followers to all of a sudden go crazy because um, much as you may do a terrific show, if if people are tuning in for that guest, that might be the, the only reason why they're doing it. Right. Is that what you're getting at, Matt? I you know, I've had some big guests on before and I didn't get the results I thought I was going to get. And I think I think that works for a lot of people that way. Yeah. That especially especially like the bigger the guest, it's like, oh, you're having so and so on. Well, they already know so and so so much. They don't need to hear him for another hour because they already know more than anything else, right? And they're gonna go and listen. I, th- I think the big are you gonna listen to anything new? Will anything mm-hmm. new be revealed about this guest mm-hmm. on this show? So I think it's really important that when you bring them on, I think it's nice to regurgitate and and 
listen to you know their entire career about what happened in the past but what are people really looking for for when they go online whether it's like a you know a tiktok or a podcast or anything they're looking for something new i will say if it's an if it's an a list a number one guest for example i'll come back to the patriots i'm a huge tom brady stan as the kids would say if you if you tell me tom brady was on a podcast I'm not, it doesn't have to be anything new. I will listen to it. I will listen to Tom Brady read the phone book. If I see Tom Brady is on a podcast, I will listen to it. I don't care who the host is and what the topic is. Well, there is a podcast and Tom Brady is the host. So, yeah. Well, yeah. that's that Tom Brady. So, by the way, I've just, by the way, violated the rule about being a guest. I was going to say, I have a one sheet thing. And <laughs> um, now I've got editing to do. <laughs> oh, no, that is staying in. <laughs> that is staying in. <laughs> Leave it. And Jack, I don't think the term is Stan anymore. I think that was five years ago. The new term is simp which you are most definitely a Tom Brady sim. Oh, my gosh. Oh, geez. Well, leave it to the 25-year-old in the group to keep us updated on <laughs> slang. By the okay. way, we can explain to you later what a newspaper is, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> but Matt, is, that right? like, is that like an email? Like, yes. They, like yes, Google Docs? Matt, I liked what you said about getting something new out of the, the guest. And if you can do that, then great. If you can't necessarily get something uh, new out of the guest, why are they coming on your show? Like, if you... if you know, not if I'm going to listen to most things about Tom Brady, maybe I'd be more likely to listen to Tom Brady if he's on a, I don't know, a movie podcast talking about his favorite movies, because that's a different spin. And I like mm -hmm. this movie podcast because they do all kinds of little interesting segments and stuff, which is I'm kind of dancing around the point here. The point is improve your show, improve it. Getting great guests is one way, one way to improve your show, but it's hardly the only way. So make, make the best show you can get. That's, that's the way you're going to improve your audience, and that's what you're going to take most pride in and inspire you to keep doing it. And for more right. tips on how to improve your show, listen to the previous episodes of this podcast. <laughs> there you go. Sponsored by the Superfriends. And let me say this, too. I can't, I'm not going to be able to properly attribute this, but like one of the first things I heard in my early journey of podcasting is that the influencer stays the influencer. That there's like this thought like, oh, if we get that big person, it's going to produce, you know, that's going to be the thing that rockets our show to this some high level. But like Matt, you said, it it rarely produces the results that we think it's it's going to. Um, and just just know that, that the influencer stays the influencer. You can't ride on their coattails. And it's more often than not that the – I've seen in the podcast that I've worked on, it's the guests that no one's ever heard of that people download the most. Like it, people want to hear somebody new, especially – it's really all comes down to how interesting is that person. Do they have – like we said, do they have something to say? And if yeah. no one's, if you're the first person to get this person on, beautiful. Do, do you guys explore the mystery as to why certain of your shows have the most downloads? Because I look at the list, you know, I've done, uh, you know, 300, 400 episodes of the Boston podcast, the top 10, I never would have guessed that they were these, they, they have nothing in common. <laughs> you know, they, they, what are you they, talking about, David? I have a lot to say. That's why my episode was in the top 10. <laughs> you were fantastic. But usually you like to think you can predict these things, but sometimes you just can't. I mean, I, I think you guys, you guys would agree. And sometimes someone who you've never heard of has a massive following that you've also never heard of, you know, or they're just good at promoting themselves or you just did a great show. You, you know, pat yourself on the back. What about I, Google? Can't, can't we blame Google for some of this? Aren't those episodes probably the most searchable? Mm. And 
to, to what end though? So if you, so do you do this match? You, you go, if you see that one episode spike, do you look at the, the show notes, the anything else? Is there something that, that I can duplicate from right. this episode? Yeah, exactly. Cause okay. I, so if I, if I were to look at my top five or six podcasts, it's Google driven. So Tom Likas is behind a paywall and he has a podcast. So people are saying Tom Likas podcast. Well, I actually have one with Tom Likas on it. So people go there and he's okay. quite popular in Los Angeles um, and, and chunks of America too. Bob and Sherry have a huge following, uh, you know, across America and people are Googling their podcast and then they find my podcast and they find, Oh look, here's Bob and Sherry. They're Bob and Sherry fans. Um, Corey Carter, and this is one, this speaks to what David just said is this is a surprise. So Corey Carter is the program director of WIXX 101 in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Well, if the Packers aren't just some sort of noisy football team and everybody's looking for, um, you know, for news about the Packers or a, a Packers podcast and, you know, they, they find this one. So these are some of the things that people trip over and, and, and find. I mean, because there's really no reason that and nothing against Corey. I love Corey and I love, you know, WIXX 101.1 in Green Bay, Wisconsin. But, you know, it, it's because you're you broadcast the Packers. So th- that begs the question, are there tried and true strategic ways of writing show notes to make them more Google searchable? Absolutely. OK. Yeah. You gotta, and not every app behaves the same way. Um, as well, but you should be writing good show notes. And it's one of the things I see. And again, I don't mean to let's not get all stereotypical with men and women, but the number of guys I see who write two lines and the number of women who write, you know, good solid show notes that are detailed is it seems to be rather obvious to me. Well, case in point, really- Catherine is the content person. Catherine specializes <laughs> in the actual content. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. I think it's worth mentioning uh, to Matt's point about how different apps behave differently. The most tried and true method is to make sure that your title for the episode is SEO optimized because that's the first thing that anything is going to search for. If you've got a guest, get their name in the title. And you want to walk that line between appeasing the people who see the title and appeasing Google and their spiders or crawling or whatever you want to call it. You want to walk that line between a good headline, but making it relevant to SEO. So your name of your podcast itself, the title of the episode or of the utmost importance, followed then by the show notes. So be very, very intentional and deliberate when you write the title for your episodes. Very important. Do not put the word episode in the show title. Or the number. Or the podcast. Do not do that. Please just stop that. Do not do that. Oh, the name, yeah, name of your podcast. Put the name of the guest and the topic that it is. That's your that's your newspaper headline again, Johnny. Newspapers. So yeah, when Jag, when you were a guest on my podcast, I wrote uh, John uh, Jag Gay, the 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 uh, king of Detroit podcasting, who has nothing to do with Kim Kardashian. Because I just wanted to make sure I got Kim Kardashian in the title. Because and, and, and that's a great joke, Dave. But you will, <laughs> but but Google will eventually catch you with keyword stuffing and spamming. So it, there is a temptation to try to game the system, but it will always come back around to bite you. So I'm, I'm glad you made that joke because that's actually a, a real pitfall to mention to our listeners today. Well, well right. That, and, that's also the trust thing too with your audience. Yeah. Yes. Like if you like, it goes to YouTube as well. Like I, I was talking with a guy uh, who's who's big on YouTube, trying to optimize you know titles and thumbnails and things like that, and he was saying like you want to be as clickbaity as possible without lying. So yeah, so so you don't want to like bury in your show notes a whole bunch of things about you know 
the the bachelorette or whatever whatever happens to be trending that day because then what because what's the point why would you want to trick someone into clicking on your podcast and then finding out it wasn't what they're looking for i mean it's so once you lose them they're gone the yeah. news has been doing that for 10 years. So it gets you to click on it and then it has nothing to do with what they were talking about. <laughs> Does anybody in the room have any experience using keywords when writing a show description? Anything positive or negative related to a- adding keywords? No, because keyword and SEO is is literally its own thing. It's its own industry. You would have to like even to try and get a baseline understanding of how it works, I think is would take so much work. But Catherine has something to say about it, actually. Well, yeah. So I have been listening to the Clarion call about the titles and the in using keywords, and I've am starting. Let's just say I'm starting a side study program about those things because I'm just finding it must be. It just it has to be so important for. Uh, podcast discovery. And, you know, I have some clients who write original blog posts where the episode player goes in. So it it just, it seems like one of those things I really, I just need to learn more about. So I am now a paid client for a headline analyzer that I'm using for titles of episodes. I don't have a full report for you now, but it's definitely something on my mind to where I'm investing the time to learn about keywords and SEO and the, especially the headlines uh, for those episode titles. I think it's about, you know, matching, match the words of your guest to who they are and what they do, because Google will figure it out and go, this is relevant. And if you put Jag and Kim Kardashian together, that might cause a little bit of a flag, perhaps. But um, yeah, I think, ma- I think, you know, matching it to the industry and whatnot is important. Well, we can rely on Catherine to be our SEO expert going forward. Thank you for doing that work for <laughs> let's, us. Yeah, let's 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 see if I can get my homework together first, and then we'll see. Let's have some results, and then I'll and then I'll have a full report for you guys. Okay, so I did have a couple of other sort of things that are lingering about, and, and this one is how much say should a guest have in the final product? Mm. One round, really? One really? My one my deal is. If, if we even offer the ability to edit on the back end, I, I think the best rule of thumb, in my opinion, which is not written in stone, they get one listen through and one round of edits. And after that, it's going out there. Are those guests, clients, or both, Johnny? The guests, specifically. The host mm-hmm. is different. The host is paying me to put together the best product possible. They get, they, we can, we can do it as many, we can do it a hundred times of editing. I'm going to get pissed, but we're going to do it. <laughs> See, that's Don't interesting. That that's interesting that you say that because with my host, with my clients, I include in their contract one round of editing free. And then if you every time I open that file afterwards, you're going to pay for it unless it unless there's a specific back and forth case. I say, hey, listen, if you get take a listen, anything you want changed uh, within reason, we'll change it. But if you say, oh, no, let's do this now. Let's do this now. Let's do this now. That can be a quagmire as a podcast editor. So I think that's important. Yeah, I think it's important. But I think that that's on a client by client basis. Like if if that's with a brand new client, sure, you should have that up front. But I mean, the guys that I've been working with for like four years, yeah. they know my style of editing. They trust me enough to get it, get it done the first time. And I, I, I hear what you're saying. I was pointing it more towards the client or the guest side of it because guests can often like they get this illusion of, Oh, I didn't like the way I said that. Can I actually go back in and re-record this answer, which I actually just did on an episode before? I was happy to redrop it back in. That's fine. That's that's no problem. But it can get to a point to where the guest, not the client, the guest can become so crazy about 
editing things that because they want it to sound perfect that it's just like look removing this you know from that sentence at 52 minutes and 12 seconds is not going to affect the amount of people that respect you or not after this episode it's going to be the other 99 percent of things that you say so i think as guests and hosts you kind of have to as a guest if you're going on a podcast as a guest you kind of have to go in with the assumption of whatever i'm going to say is fair game at 52 minutes you're in the end zone yeah if people have even made it that far. Okay. Does anybody use um, guest intake forms or waiver forms? No. It's, it just it seems to be more trouble than it's worth. Um, you're, we're, of course, I'll probably get sued tomorrow because I just said this, but it's it's the, the podcast industry has developed a way that's a lot more loosey-goosey. And you can, you can do it if you want peace of mind to sign something, but I think you're um, just inviting a hassle. Um, you know, I have a very simple form when people sign up to be a guest on the show that just allows them a feel to say, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you'd like to discuss on the show. That's helpful. But the legal stuff. I do have, I do have a quick two line disclaimer in contracts, not with guests, but with clients where I say, uh, Jag in Detroit reserves a soul reserves the right to remove any content deemed, um, libelous or offensive, something to that effect with consulting of the guest. I'm not going to pull something unilaterally i will talk about it sorry with the host i will talk about it with the host but but this contract stipulates at the end after said discussion i have the final say because i don't want to get sued for something that i produce that somebody says yeah yeah matt matt to go back just super quick to go back to your point on whether you allow the the, the guest final say i i would be very hesitant to just reasonable minds may disagree here but with, with johnny but i'd be hesitant to provide the entire episode for them to listen to because i think you're inviting a a lot of work uh on the other hand though if a guest um you know i do say to a guest after they leave you know if, if there's something you think of that um you, you don't want in there just let me know and that sometimes they do take you up on that. They're like, you know what? I, I talked about my sister, her alcohol problem. I just realized <laughs> I, I really shouldn't have done that. You know, could you take it out? And so now as the, as the podcaster, you can, you can say to yourself, no, I'm sorry. I think that was the best part of the show, but you're making an enemy. You know, you're not the New York times. You're a podcaster. So you, you probably, you know, you invited the, the guest on in good faith. The guest came to good faith. You know, I almost always just say, no problem. Take it out. Let's move on. I also to 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 avoid on the things that could be questioned that a guest may want to remove beforehand. I often preface guests when they come on. I say, without the host even like the host trusts me to to manage this relationship. I will say, hey, if so and so asks you a question that you're not comfortable with answering, just state that, and I will edit it out so they don't feel like they have to answer it. But having that, it's like we talked about before, having that preface of this is edited, it's okay, and it's not live offering that as an additional uh, sort of words of comfort can be helpful too. I was going to say too, I think that for the scope and scale of the shows that we work on, this is not the issue. It would be in other circumstances. If you're working on a, like a news program, if you're doing something that is journalism, then that's a totally different standard. And quite frankly, I live in a state in the United States that is a one party state. So if I lived in California, I might treat this entirely differently because California is litigious and because it's a two party state that you have to have two parties consent to being recorded. So those things weigh on, on my thinking about all these things. Yeah. I've always found that weird. 
So I'm not, and I'm not even sure what the law is. And I know that, that Gordon Firemark will be talking a podcast movement about things like this, as he always does it. You know, podcasters should have a consent form. And I just say, well, I'm in Canada. So your form has no good to me here. <laughs> um, but I, at, at the same time, I have no idea what the laws of the land are in Canada. But I would, it's, I, I think there is probably an understanding that if I welcome you to the show, <laughs> that you understand that you're on the podcast and we are podcasting. It's yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's where Catherine was going. I think she was just kind of speaking in general to how stringent laws might be. But I agree with you, Matt. <laughs> when you say welcome to the show, you are implicitly, yeah, you, you're, you're consenting to being recorded. I mean, it'd be kind of weird if you went on and said, oh, I did, uh, uh, great podcast, but you didn't record it, did you? Because I didn't want you to record it. But the guests would have, would have a right to the content, though. Well, I'm sorry, how do you mean? The, the guests... Would, would have a right to oh well, uh, control over it. Yeah, we co-authored it by by participating together. And I think that's what that release form that Gordon Firemark circulates on his oh, website God, can you imagine? indicates. Yeah, again, I, 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 I'm more of the law of common sense, but yep. but, I, but you're, you're right in identifying that's the imaginary horrible that you worry about, I guess. I would be curious with that specific instant, what, instance, what a show like the Tim Ferriss show or Jocko Willink or Joe Rogan, a guest coming on with the malicious intent of we technically co-authored this together and I now am, am culpable to compensation. Well, that's what, that you I, that's what I was saying that. about size and, and scale. I mean, I, that, that is, those folks are targets and they know that they're targets, oh, right? Gosh. So the key takeaway here is have a podcast, but don't get too big. Okay, just keep it small and have fun. <laughs> just have the release. Yeah, that's all. You want half of this podcast? Here's your episode. Take it. I don't want to do that, but here's a curse on you. Yeah. Uh, well, it's great to, to kick this around. Does anybody have any final thoughts on guests? We all get twenty. We all own twenty percent of this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you see that we agreed upon. Right. Yeah. I'll just say if you if you're looking to land a great guest, sometimes it really is simple as just asking. Find the, if it's yeah. some celebrity or find the website. They all have contact forms, PR people you can go through. Yeah. If you're you can go on IMDb and pay like nine bucks a month, get IMDb Pro and get all the names of all their agents and everything. You'd be surprised who will say yes. People's favorite subject is themselves. My final word is shoot for the second rung on the ladder. If you are mm. doing a business type interview podcast, don't shoot for the CEO. It's harder to get them. Go for the VP of sales. Go for mm. the people that aren't often asked for to, to talk publicly. They're very smart. They're getting paid a lot. They're very interesting people most of the time. They just don't have that C in front of their title. So don't, don't, don't feel like you're shooting yourself in the foot by going a few rungs below. You may get access to a lot more interesting people than you think. I like that. Catherine, do you have a tip for landing the big guest? Well, David stole mine. I was going to say, oh, all the big guests that I've landed. Yes. Let me, uh, let me share my words of wisdom here, Matt. No. Uh, yeah. I think that asking and, and you're absolutely right. And just having the attitude of people do have something to share. And if you're shooting high, I like what Johnny said about going for the second rung. I mean, people want to be, especially now, if you're, if everybody's asking the top tier, um, it's really an opportunity, you know, if you frame it as an opportunity. And frankly, one thing I like to do is I tell them why we're inviting them specifically. So like something that I, you know, I or my client sees in them that they would be able to bring to the show. I really try and highlight those things. It doesn't always work, but it lets uh, them know that I care enough about what they are doing or 
being about to say that we have a little bit of uh, knowledge about what they're what they're putting out there. Yeah, love it. We're going to talk about A, B, and C. I have a one. This is a an app uh, for the for your Chrome browser, and it's called oh. Hunter, and it's an extension, so you can find it in in the Google Chrome Store. And from it, you can go to a website and you can get a list of the email addresses on there. Sneaky. That are stored inside the website. Huh. So that is the Hunter app. I will put that in the show notes of the episode. But it really works, especially if you you know you, you want to pitch someone. You go. Quite often, these stars have their own email address that is embedded behind the website, and this app will somewhere find in the HTML code in the back end. That's brilliant. All right. Well, it was great for everybody to make time today. Seems how I was the only one who put this down on the calendar. I'll uh, do better next time and make sure that we're a little more organized for the month of September. But look how amazing we were, no matter what. I think this was our best one we've done. It was. How'd that happen? When we let Matt do everything, it turns out it's the best yeah. one. Happy accident. Our lives are in your hands, Matt. My life is so much better with that Saturday afternoon nap. I wake up all creative and fresh on a Monday. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Super Friends. For a transcript of the show or to connect with the Super Friends, go to the show notes of this episode or go to soundoff.network. Produced and distributed by the SoundOff Media Company. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast, and NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. <laughs>